in the picturesque town of Amity Island, a new tourist attraction has emerged that promises to make everyone's summer unforgettable. Marine biologist Matt Hooper, local police chief Martin Brody, and the rugged sea captain Quint find themselves in an unexpected partnership to create the ultimate adventure. Shark Tales, where sharks and cocktails meet. It's a recipe for disaster with a splash of pizzazz. First comes Matt Hooper, the charismatic marine biologist who firmly believes that sharks are deeply misunderstood creatures. Welcome aboard, folks. I'm Matt Hooper, shark enthusiast extraordinaire. Hi, we've heard that this is quite an adventure. It certainly is. Today we're going to dive into the fascinating world of sharks and cocktails. Ah, oh, gee whiz, sharks and cocktails, how does that work? Soon you'll be imbibing our delicious concoctions whilst also learning about sharks. I hope you remember to bring your thirst for knowledge and adventure. The Shark Tales cruise is about to set sail. Do you have life jackets? I'm feeling seasick already. Next we have Police Chief Brody, who finds himself reluctantly roped into this circus of chaos. As he nervously mixes cocktails, he glances over his shoulder at the dorsal fins circling the boat. Sharks and cocktails, what could possibly go wrong? And lastly, there's the enigmatic Captain Quint, a grizzled old sea dog with a penchant for strong liquor and even stronger opinions. Gather around me old arties. I've got a tale that'll curl your toes and send shivers down your spine. Picture this, it was dark and stormy night, and old Quint was out at sea, seeking a monstrous behemoth they call the Luminous Lathathan, a creature of myth and legend with the wisdom of ancient mariners. A smart shark? Aye, it spoke in riddles and rhymes, as if it held the secret of the depths within its very soul. What happened, Captain Quint? Arr, that's the mystery I never found it. Now, bottoms up me hearties, let me tell you a time where I met the nautical worm, a monstrous sea serpent. Don't look so worried, Chief. Everything's gonna be fine. It's just, I can't shake this feeling that something bad is gonna happen. Rubbish! I've got an eye out for any trouble! You just keep the cocktails coming! I hope you're right, Quinn. It's just every time I hear the word shark, all I can think about is that fateful summer years ago. It was a terrible thing, but you can't let it haunt you forever. You're doing a great job keeping this town safe, and today you're no different. And what with Princess Strider putting on a show as well, it's gonna be a night to remember! I never thought I'd see the day where a drag queen would be part of a shark cruise. Aye, that makes two of us, lad. But she's got a spirit bigger than the ocean itself. You know, Brody, after all the shark business, maybe we should start a new venture. Captain Quint's spirited seafaring safari, sailing the high seas with a bottle in hand. I think you've had enough, Quint. Now, rabbit! I've sailed through worse storms than this. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Garnish. And we are celebrating our two-year anniversary. Uh, two years, man. Isn't that? It's been such a lovely journey. I know I say that a lot, but like, yeah, two years. When I think back to what I was like two years ago as some sort of naive airhead <laughs> guy walking the cocktail traverse, not knowing my <laughs> gin and tonics from my margaritas and my, my Jaegeritas and... You know, I d True, you know, yeah. when I think about the journey of taste that you've taken me through 
We've gone through time, we've gone through countries, we've gone through cultures. Do you know what I mean? It's been a really, really lovely journey so far. Do you know how many cocktails we've done on this show in the last year? Well, just in the last year alone? Just in the last year. No. We've done 50 cocktails. I really hope my doctor doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) God, 50 cocktails. And then in total, that's probably what we've done, 100 cocktails. Bit short of that, no, it's like 80. Wow, 80 yeah. cocktails. Wow, that's impressive. Because we started off, we would just have one every show. Ah, right. Then it graduated to like two every show. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the, some episodes, it was like five, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's been the odd episode that we've gone through it. Was it our last... Like um, this one. Oh, is it this one going to be a... a a plethora well i've of got i've got three cocktails wow three cocktails yeah. and then i've got a, a little secret one for you that i haven't told you about what you're making me a cocktail yeah nice oh yeah you just wait i'm making the co- i'm gonna be in the cocktail seat see now i have faith in you Oh, really? You'd say, I remember you said that a year ago, and I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Oh, no. What's now, he now, I'm, now I'm not worried. Now oh, I trust good. you. Good. You've, I've kind of taken on the cocktail co-pilot hat. Yeah. So you can go to sleep at the at the wheel of the plane and, and be all right that I can navigate it for a little bit. Yeah, I would. Yeah. 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 I mean, if the stormy weather's coming, I might have to wake you up and nod you. That's all right. <laughs> so this episode, I thought, let's do something. Let's get into sharks, because oh. you, you bring them up a lot. I do, don't I? It's, it's your comfort zone and, and also your terror zone as well, sharks, isn't it? Well, and also we are in Cowboy Shark Studio as well. Oh, that's what you named your studio, yeah, isn't it? I keep yeah. forgetting that. It's a silly name, but I love it. So yeah, we're going to talk some Jaws. In fact, I've got a Jaws quiz for you. Oh. So I'm, I'm going to test how up to speed on Jaws trivia you really are oh my god so you are literally like throwing me into the to the leagues of the the shark infested waters my friend and then we're going to talk real sharks real sharks and somewhere amongst all that we're going to drink some shark related cocktails nice cool oh thank you so much that's the setup folks before we start do you know what the link is between the last anniversary episode and this episode? Uh, Do you remember what the last anniversary episode was? Yeah, was that the Bungle experience, the last episode, the last anniversary? Was it that was. The... It was Rainbow Cocktails. Rainbow Cocktails, wasn't it? And so this one we're doing Shark Cocktails. Okay. Do you know what the common denominator is? That um, all sharks are born at the end of rainbows. <laughs> sharks guard gold at the end of a rainbow Bloody is that yeah. what they do is that is that the main purpose maybe of that's sharks? their real purpose is that yeah. they guard pots of gold it's, it's a nice idea it's not what i was thinking oh my of. god is bungle actually aquatic can he just like is he a merm is he actually a merman you're close <laughs> right okay bungle's screen test for jaws have you ever seen this no i'm gonna show you it bungle's screen test for yeah jaws. weirdly i just came across this this week right wow slow ahead if you please slow ahead Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and come some of this shit. Crumbs! I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Ooh. How do they do that? 
It's well done, isn't it? That's really amazing. How did they do it? Apparently it was done for an old comic relief at least like eight or ten years ago. Really? Bungling Jaws <laughs> is the missing link between last anniversary and this one. Oh my god, that's amazing. That's an amazing link. I would love to see Bungle, Zippy and George do uh, the Jaws. The whole thing would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would it? be. So, Paul, what cocktail have you made us for this Jaws uh, Leviathan? So the first cocktail we're drinking, something I've been wanting to make for a while, it's called the Cinema Highball. Ah, oh, right. See if you can identify what's in it. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah? It's really nice. Yeah. It's really invocative of something, actually. The cinema? This, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is, actually. It's kind of how I imagine 70s cinemas to taste. So it's got white rum. Right. But the white rum has been infused with popcorn oh. and then fat washed with butter. Wow. So the the idea behind it, created by a guy called Don Lee at PDT in New York, and the idea was that he wanted to recreate in a single drink the cinema experience of having a mouth of popcorn and then a slurp of Coke. Wow, I love it. So the cinema highball. Oh my God, it's like you literally know how to like lather my heaven, don't you? I thought it'd be one that you'd like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. <laughs> like the word fat washing just sounds like, this <laughs> is a horrendous kind of like thing to like fat and wash together like. i think when you're talking about food fat washed <laughs> sounds good <laughs> talking about people no i know i know there's a sort of like there's like a sort of uh, uh yeah it's colliding a juxtaposition isn't yeah. it like is this good is this bad you know <laughs> but yeah like like you know how to like basically like cope my heaven my heaven is basically popcorn and cinema treats do you know what i mean yeah. i think i think my heaven mm. would be that i go into the cinema and it's always empty but just me do you know what yeah. i mean but it's like yeah. a surprise every time i'm like wow i've literally got the cinema all to myself i bet someone's going to come in and ruin it oh my god i've never you know i've always wanted that yeah i have had it once and it was absolutely fucking amazing i've had it a couple of times have in you? my lifetime have you it's really nice it's amazing it? isn't yeah. it you feel so special yeah um, i mean lots of people love going to cinema for the communal experience yeah i don't yeah i just want it to myself yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, definitely. I don't want the communal... I don't want... No. No, get out of my movie. Uh, I want this all to myself. I have a, such a thing with the cinema. You know about my cinema-like idioms that I have. Like, oh, yeah. um I've learned. Oh, man. So many times, like, I sit down and I literally wait for the person to come and ruin it for me. And every time, I'm like, this is perfect. No one is ruining it for me. And then the film will start and I'm like, Wow. This is amazing. And then like three minutes or five minutes in, they'll come in and sit down yeah. and then get on their phone or, or just be really annoying or just, I don't know, just their presence. Just, you know, yeah. I mean, I had a great cinema experience recently for my friend's 60th birthday um, and he booked out um, the Duke of York's to watch Close Encounters. Oh, wow. Um, so there was about, I don't know, 15 of us. In, in that cinema and nice. it was such a lovely like experience and I actually cried at that film because it was so amazing seeing it on the cinema and I forgot yeah. how emotional it is yeah. Are you ready for your Jaws quiz? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to give you a set of questions relating to Jaws Yeah And if you get the right answer you'll hear yeah. this noise Shark! 
If you get the wrong answer, you will hear. He's got lifeless eyes. Oh my god! I like this is like really testing me because I, you know, I'm actually like for the first time my bum is clenched and it's quite squeaky. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna breeze this, I'm you sure. Think? You're gonna smash it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If you always say that you're gonna smash uh, a test before you go into it, that you always do badly. That's the jinx of tests. All right. Well, let's you see. Think? Maybe. Okay. Question number one. Okay. Very first scene of Jaws. Yeah. What instrument is the man playing? That's a guitar. He's got lifeless eyes. <gasps> That's a harmonica. Yes. Ah. Oh. I would write in my brain it's a guitar. Yeah. But no, it's a harmonica. It's a harmonica. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did I get that right? I don't know because I said guitar, didn't I? But then you immediately followed it up. Ah, oh, with a harmonica. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think you're right with that. Oh one. yeah, because he's going. Something like that, isn't it? Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm taking your word for it. I don't know this film as well as you do. All right. What cameo role does Jaws author Peter Benchley play in the movie? Oh, wow. I didn't even know he had a cameo role. That's amazing. He's got a cameo in it. Um, Do you want to guess? Yeah, I do. Is he the doctor that does the autopsy? He's got lifeless eyes. Oh, no. Who is it then? He plays the TV newscaster. Mmm. Do you know he's doing? There's a guy doing a news report on the dock or something. No way. And that's actually Peter Benchley. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you know what? That is that is fucking brilliant. Because that I didn't even know anything of that. That's incredible. Right. Okay. True or false? Steven Spielberg slept with a stick of celery under his pillow while filming Jaws. Ha! <laughs> I'm going to say true. Sure! Correct. Was it to stop him getting seasick? No, unlike you, who detests celery, yeah. he found the smell of celery comforting. Is that right? So it helped calm him down while he was filming. No way, really. No. The mm. smell of celery comforting, so he would sleep with it under his pillow. Yeah. That is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense, because he was incredibly stressed out on that movie. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, th- again, that is one of the best things I've ever heard of George. You, are, you, are, you have found some crackers, man. When we first see Quint, he's yeah. walking into a park. Yeah. What's the name of the pub? Is it A, Lobster Lagoon, B, Whaler's Tavern, or C, Oyster's Cove? I'm going to say the second one, Whaler's Tavern. Correct. Yeah. Ah, cool, cool, yeah. Well done. Nice. Okay. What kind of shark was caught and mistaken for the killer shark? Ah, yeah, uh, tiger shark. Shark! There's an amazing line where that guy, and it's been used in so many memes, where he goes like, Ah, what? (laughs) See, I I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, really? I've never seen that. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's quite a sort of famous little, like, clip. From what state was the license plate that was pulled from the stomach of the first shark? Ah, uh, that was an Illinois license plate. He's got lifeless eyes. Oh, fuck. Was it Californian, was it? No. What? Where was it from? Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana. Why did I think Illinois? I tell you what, if you can tell me the line that Brody says when they pull out the license plate, yeah. you can have it. Okay. Do you know the line? No. (laughs) (laughs) He says he didn't need a car, did he? Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I should have just guessed that one, right? (laughs) How much money does Quint want to kill the shark? 
Oh, um, it's five thousand dollars. We can buy flesh eyes. Twenty-five thousand dollars. We can buy flesh eyes. Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, they're all gonna die. <laughs> Quinn says, "I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ah, oh, shit. God, I'm doing really badly on this. On You're not this doing quiz. as good as I thought you were gonna do. Fuck to me. be honest, Jesus. According to Quinn, how big is the killer shark? Uh, it's really big. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know what like what, what does he say precisely to how big the shark is. Uh, yeah, he sa- he says how long it is and how much it weighs. Oh, is it when Hooper's saying that it's like um, Hooper estimates twenty feet. Twenty feet, and he says it's a, it's a twenty-five footer at least. Shark. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Remember the weight? Three thousand pounds. What's that in tons? Uh, oh, I don't know. Three. I'd- is About that three? Three, is that, three is that, tons. Is a three-tonner, is <laughs> Yes! <it>? Right, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you that one. With a, with a clue, you got it. What song do Quint Brody and Hooper sing on board the Orca after a drinking session? Show me the way to go home, ball, ball. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Correct, Amundo. Fill in the blank. You're blank, Quint. You know that? You're blank. You're crazy, Quint. You're... You're insane. I'm going to give you that. It's certifiable. Oh, you're certifiable. You're crazy. certifiable, Quint. You know that you're certifiable. Oh, certifiable. But you know that's yeah. Well, I'll give you crazy. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. How many barrels become attached to the shark? Three. Shark. Technically four, but one of them gets cut off. Oh, is that right? What was the crew's nickname for the mechanical shark in the movie? Ah, uh, Bruce. Shark. And actually, uh, funny enough, uh, Spielberg says that he never called the shark Bruce. But he didn't, but the crew did. But the crew did. Yeah. Because it's always like a thing that, yeah, he named it after his lawyer, Bruce, but then Spielberg always says that he never named the shark Bruce and never named it after his lawyer. But it's, like, well known. Yeah. The shark was called Bruce after his lawyer. Okay, final question. What are the final lines of dialogue in the movie? What, when they're swimming away? Yeah. God, I need a drink. Or something like that. Like, I, I, I owe you a drink. He's got lifeless eyes. Is it not? I'm never going in the water again, or something. That's much closer. Something like that. Yeah, Brody says, I used to hate the water. Hooper says, I can't imagine why. Ah, oh, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. And now we're going to do a quick fire round. Okay, all right, okay. I'm going to give you some facts about the story of Jaws. Okay. And you have to tell me, is it from the novel, the movie, or both? Chrissy Watkins is the name of the shark's first victim. Is that the movie, the novel, or both? Both. Mayor Vaughan is blackmailed by the Mafia. Uh, that's in the, uh, book. Two kids with a cardboard fin cause a panic on the beach. That's in both. Hooper's Indianapolis speech. Oh, uh, that's in the film. Quint's boat is called the Orca. That's in both. The shark is blown up with a scuba tank. That's in the film. Hooper goes underwater in a shark-proof cage. That's in both. Quint is eaten by the shark. That's in both. The shark leaps onto the stern of Quint's boat. That's in the film. And the line, you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, that's in the film. Right, let's tally that up, see okay. how well you did. Five, six, seven, you got seven of those right. Really? That's a very respectable score, I Is think. it? Okay. The ones you got wrong, two kids with a cardboard fin was only in the movie. Oh, okay. Quint is eaten by the shark is only in the movie. Oh, is it? Apparently in the book, Quint gets caught up in ropes that are caught around the shark and gets dragged down oh, and he drowns. Oh, and he drowns. He drowns. Oh, interesting. God, that's a bit of a sad ending, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. And the shark leaps onto the stern of Quinn's boat. You said it was in the movie, but it's actually in both. Oh, that's in that, both That as was well, in the it? novel, yeah. Oh, interesting. But okay. seven out of ten, well done. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. 
four to seven points, you're swimming with bow-legged women. Yay! I love swimming with bow-legged women. That's my favourite women to swim with. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? If I can always choose. So a little plug, everyone. Um, If you... uh, if you know that I'm a comic book artist, I work with a writer called Matt Stapleton, and we've been working on a long-running series called Hendrix that's actually now officially accredited by the Benchley Foundation. And uh, it's, a, it's a Jaws comic. Mm. And uh, Hendrix, who's Chief Brody's second in command, um, is the main character in it. And the series is called Hendrix. Uh, it's by What If Stories. Um, so the first, uh, the first part of it is all about Jaws, uh, and then... He basically wants to get as far away from sharks as possible. So he goes to a town called Perfection, where he meets, if you've seen the film Tremors, a land shark. And now he's um, just drawing at the moment. He's in Santa Carla, where obviously the Lost Boys are. So it's basically a horror movie town kind of... um, like a ghost train, like a like a theme park it's train. A nice of, idea. It's fun. It's a it's a really fun thing. Um, but interestingly enough, so the whole thing about the mafia uh, that was in the book mm. that's what features heavily in the in the Jaws oh, story story arc. Right. So because um, uh, Matt really liked that element of the book. Do you know what happens to Brody's cat? <laughs> I didn't even know Brody had a cat. Apparently, in the book, Brody has a cat. And yeah. I couldn't work out because I read that at one point the mafia kills Brody's cat. And then I was trying to find confirmation of that. And then a conflicting answer where the townspeople mutilate Brody's cat. Really? What? An anger for uh, letting cl- the beaches open? Yeah. Wow. And then I couldn't find a definitive answer of actually what happens to Brody's cat. So if anyone, well, if anyone listening knows, I'm concerned about Brody's cat. Let do me you know. think um, Brody's cat sounds like an indie band? <laughs> Or like what happened really to does. what happened to Brody's cat? No, just Brody's just cat. Brody's cat. That's a good indie band. <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want to say about Jaws? <laughs> when you this... say when you say, do I have anything about Jaws? Uh, yeah, I've got like three pages of notes that I wrote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> about Jaws. You know, you're the shark expert, you're the Jaws expert, I'm steering you through these waters, but you're the man with the facts in this episode. One of the things that's really interesting about Jaws is why Spielberg picked up the movie, why he chose to do it. Mm, why did he choose to do it? Well, can you think a reason why? What was his film that he did before Jaws? Duel. Yeah. So that was Man versus Truck. Yeah, and basically... Jaws is the same thing. It's about a predator chasing down people. Yeah. And I think when you when you watch Steven Spielberg's, um, when you hear him talking about his life, and definitely if you've seen The Fableman, which is a... Which I is, haven't. Have you not no, seen that yet? Not yet. Really good film. I really recommend it. Um, and it's loosely based on his upbringing. And, um, you know, he had a problem with being bullied. He had a problem with being, um, you know, uh, American Jewish. His family life, you know, his parents got divorced. Uh, they separated, um, you know, in his, in his teenage years. And um, he had this incredible worry about being successful. Mm. And I think Jaws and Jewel is about that. It's about him standing up to his creative demons. He had a, he had incredible like fear of of not succeeding, which is why he's mm. always pushed himself so far. Okay. Where does that come from, do you know? I uh, I think it's just I think he's just an incredibly ambitious creative person who loved film from a very very early age. And the whole thing of the book, the the idea of the behind the book was that actually like the people are more monstrous than the actual shark itself. 
Mm, okay. Do you know what right, I mean? Right. Like a Stephen King idea. Yes. Most Stephen King books are about that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So actually, like, you know, the shark is really just a backdrop, really, for the, for the drama that's that's around them. No, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. But then I still think it's interesting that he's focused on almost like the subplot then of the shark. Well, yeah, because I think he, he wanted to make a monster movie. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's what Jaws is, is a monster movie, isn't it? Yeah. And famously, the shark constantly went wrong and didn't do what it was meant yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. And the first time they took it out, it literally sank and it got right. really badly, dis- really badly um, uh, malfunctioned. And they was couldn't there just use one, it. Was there just one Bruce? They had a Bruce that was fully submersible, like a submarine. Hmm. They had one that was on a rail. Right. And then they had one that was like a head. Right. That popped right. up, I think, from memory. Yeah, okay. Um, and they had components of it. And obviously they filmed uh, real Great Whites as well that they yeah. had spliced. But the thing is, Spielberg talks about how the shark breaking was actually one of the best things for the film in retrospect, even though it was incredibly a nightmare for him at the time. Because the shark was broken, he had to think of other ways of showing the shark. And, and actually he said, you know, and, and because you don't see the shark until the very end, Uh, or halfway through the film you know you see the shark for half the amount of time but it made twice as much money Mm -hmm. as a result because Mm -hmm. i think it was the really clever ways of him depicting the shark without you actually seeing it that makes the film so that still stands up today because of that creative genius really and there's some really interesting things as well like so the um the the person who plays the victim at the beginning uh, she was a stunt actress and she specialised in um, open water. Uh, she specialised in water stunts. And when they rigged her up to that machine, the hydraulic machine, um, something went wrong and basically the pulleys on it pulled her uh, simultaneously in either direction. Oh. oh. And it cracked both her ribs. Bloody hell. And dragged her underwater. So when she's screaming... And she's saying, oh, God, please help me, help me, help me. That actually is real screams of her in pain, right, right. like almost drowning. And they loved it. So they kept it in because it was so convincing. There's quite a lot of things like that, isn't there, of actresses genuinely being tortured and the director going, do you know, that looks great. We're going to keep that. Yeah, like, I, th- I think Hitchcock so. Hitchcock and Tippi Hedren and the birds. Yeah. And also mm. we, we covered it, didn't we, with Singing in the Rain? Yeah. Uh, you know, the actress there, she, she was yeah. in tears with bleeding feet and everything Mm. i think actually the film industry has been incredibly brutal to a lot of their actors but i think particularly women yeah so i'm trying to sort of some of the facts that i wanted to uncover just they're they're things that maybe that people don't sort of know and they're sort of like they're not like big things but things that i found really interesting so the opening beach scene um they basically every time they did a take of it they had a whole crew to clean up everything all the footprints and everything so they could reshoot it right okay <laughs> that was really interesting Blimey. but then the person said to them like but hey the sea's like changing like because the sea kept <laughs> right, changing okay, so yeah, much right. and the person was like oh you'll never notice they'll never notice that and actually if you rewatch it yeah the scene in every like as it's edited together does change quite a bit in right, the background right. and one of the things that made the film so successful from a critic's point of view is that um, Spielberg enlisted loads of the locals of uh, Martha's Vineyard to uh, um, be in the film. Oh, okay. So there's a scene uh, where Brody's in the police station and there's a woman who sort of comes in and she's all like you know, reading off loads of stuff and they were saying like you know as an actress like she just wouldn't be you wouldn't say that you wouldn't think that was good acting yeah but it works really well in the film yeah and the fact that there are so many locals a lot of the critics have said about the film that it actually gives a naivety that works really well with the film yeah 
And that's kind of what Spielberg wanted. He yeah. wanted these people to kind of come across as kind of naive to the to it all. They come across yeah. as real people, well, don't they? Are. they? Yeah. They are, and they are real yeah. people. And like, you know, the ki- some of the kids were talking about, you know, how they got um, roles in the film. And, right. you know, if they had a speaking role in it, uh, one, one of them was saying that, you know, he's paid like $25 a day, which was like a hell of a lot wow. of money, especially if you were a kid. Yeah, back it, in those days back as in well. Those days. Yeah. Um, but the um, SAG, uh, Screen Actors Guild, yeah. absolutely were like so annoyed with Spielberg because, of course, they had like something like four or five hundred actors of these local people that oh, weren't on the Actors mm, Guild. Right. I've I can got, imagine if I, was, if I was an actor living in Martha's Vineyard at that time, and I'd be like, seriously? You're employing the local kids? Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. mad old lady. I'm a fucking actor. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I guess another just a couple of things that are, are interesting that are short is that um, Spielberg said to Joe Alves, the production designer, that he didn't want red anywhere in the film. No one was to wear red. Mm. Didn't want a red bandana. Okay. Didn't want like a red shop or anything. The only red in the film was to be the blood of the victims. And that was fascinating as well. I thought you were going towards the whole yellow theory there. Oh, really? Do you know about that? What's that? I've read accounts where it's going like, oh, yeah, yellow is used really symbolically. Right. That whenever yellow appears, yeah. there's going to be a, a, an attack, a shark attack. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, um, the kitten's um, float that he's on is yellow. The, um, the barrels into the shark are yellow. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I... It, it listed all the instances. Mm. And I'm like, okay, that does match up. I'm not sure that was deliberate. It might I, not be, but I don't know. Spielberg, um, and I think he's quite key into visual language like yeah. that so it could be could very well possible mm, okay i yeah. mean it's interesting about the pond scene because i think that's i think that's the most harrowing death in it i know the kitna boy at the beginning is quite harrowing as well and actually the original version of that is really really gruesome like there's a there's a quite a famous scene of bruce uh, with the mouth open and you see the boy in the mouth oh really yeah oh, wow i've never um, seen that but they they edited it because it was just way too much right but i think the most harrowing scene i definitely from my memory is in the pond with the uh, guy in the rowboat and when he gets tipped out of the boat you see the shark for really for the first time under the water and the water the waves of it kind of you know distort the shark and the shark just drags him under Mm. and then and then you see his leg severed and it drops to the bottom i remember the leg remember the leg yeah Yeah. um but originally what was going to happen and they they filmed it is that um he's on the boat and then gets dragged down but holding Brody's kid and then the shark drags him down and whilst he's holding the kid and the kid gets dragged underneath the shark bites into him all the blood comes out and then Brody's kid comes to the surface with like the guy's blood in his mouth like pouring it out that's pretty full on isn't it really full on but again they filmed it and they were like you know what actually this is that's way too much that's what you know and I think Spielberg's very good at editing himself and I think you know the fact that these films held back actually makes them more harrowing than the films today where they go full on with the gore you know almost so much the gore so much that it makes you repel so much that you actually don't end up engaging with it yeah well i mean i think jaws was treading brand new ground really wasn't it? it it was redefining cinema and redefining a kind of storytelling like it wasn't trying to be a horror film whereas lots of imitations that have come after are much more explicitly trying to be a shark horror film. I definitely agree with you with that. I think, like, you know, films of that era, I really hold to a high esteem. 
just like The Thing. The Thing, I, I think, is also very similar in the sense that there's a horror element to it. Yeah. But actually, the the main interest in, in it, you could almost have in a theatre play. It's the drama between yeah. the characters. Yeah. That actually is the real meat to it all. People love Jaws, man. I mean, they they really reason. do. Yeah, and and doing the comic, you know, uh, we've connected with a huge Jaws uh, fan base. You know, the Daily mm. Jaws promote our comic, and their uh, Instagram account that have like something like uh, one or two hundred thousand followers, and they literally only post stuff up about Jaws. I mean, every just day. that, just the fact that there is a Daily Jaws, yeah, that's probably run for years, yeah, amazing, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. incredible, yeah. I mean, I think, like, um, for me, Jaws, you know, seeing it at such a young age is such a... I mean, it's, it's mentally scarred Well, I was thinking me. about the leg. I think that was the first time I saw any kind of horror effect on screen. Yeah, probably same for me as and well. And it stuck. It's yeah, like, I'd yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think I was like six when I first saw Jaws. Really? Yeah. That's young. My, my gran showed it to me because she was like, oh, it's a PG, it's fine. No. Six is very young. I was really young. And as, as a result, you know, that's why I've had um, this archetypal shark nightmare. Is that where it comes from? Yeah. Because yeah, I wanted yeah. to dig down into that this episode. Oh, I, did you? I wanted to know where your fear of sharks oh, comes from. comes from that. It comes from that, being shown fucking Jaws at six years Something old. Something like that, six or seven, or like really young. And, yeah, okay. um, and I remember being fine with swimming and everything. And then after, as soon as I saw Jaws, like even going into the swimming pool was a nightmare. Right. You know, like right. I really struggled with that. And then, of course, you know, I mean, I had a very privileged upbringing. My dad had a had a boat and we'd go on that and, oh really and really? yeah so we'd, we'd go like because my dad was a really good sailor he was a keen sailor and he, and he owned a small yacht that we used to go on as a family and we'd maybe spend two or three weeks a year on it but my mom really hated it because she was really scared of being out in the open ocean you know sailing around britain and you know we had some like caught up in some tremendous storms and stuff and i was really young and i remember like putting on a life jacket you know and it was like me my mom my brother and our dog you know in a little dinghy uh, and it was night time and we were set my dad was rowing us back to the boat that was like you know on a mooring out out in the harbor okay you know like on a buoy yeah and a storm was brewing and the waves were like lapping up and everything and my mom she just said to me like if you go in the water you'll die and we'll never see you again bloody hell and there was this sort of thing like if you you know we are on the boat and you drop into the into the sea we won't be able to turn the boat round to get you and you will just be out in the sea and you will die (laughs) and there was like yeah so it was kind of like kind of crazy holidays right yeah yeah like <laughs> holiday <intense>. of terror <laughs> yeah i know i know we had some lovely times Cape as well yeah. yeah right I mean, we had some really lovely times as well <laughs> when you went scared for when I wasn't life. scared. yeah i mean to be honest i remember just sleeping on the boat a lot i used to just go into the into right. the cabin bit at the front and used to just they would be like where where is he where's he gone and just see me like having a lovely doze for like hours <laughs> <laughs> the last story that I'm going to tell, which is always bored into the memory of all of us, was like we were sailing around the Isle of Wight and, you know, the ferries that go back and forth. Yeah. Like my dad had got us in the path of oh, the, of one of those ferries. Right. And it was like basically coming at us. <laughs> my dad saying to my mum, my mum going like, Phil, we're going to die. <laughs> like, ah. My dad was like, my dad was just saying, oh, just get the barge pole and just... Just poke us away from it. 
gentleman from a fucking massive furry. <laughs> Can you get close to those things? They just suck you under. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They just, everything is destroyed in its wake. So yeah, that was. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons. There, that's another reason why I'm absolutely petrified of the sea. That all makes sense now. I Does it those, all make sense? Yeah, those are very good fucking reasons. I mean, I, I yeah. feel I feel incredibly privileged to have grown up with a dad with a with a yacht. Yeah. I mean, when I say that to people, you they go like, man. "Oh my god, you're you're one of those kids." Are you? Yeah, I didn't know about that. <laughs> I'm very envious now. <laughs> so, Paul, as it's our two year anniversary, I thought as a special treat for you, I would make you a cocktail. Okay. And um, I picked this up at the uh, Lewis Gin Festival a while back. Right. And it's a lemon Gino specialist gin. Nice. And I've really fallen in love with it. It's mm. by a company called G&H Spirits that are based in Stenning. Okay. So what I've done is I made you a gin and tonic. Okay. And I've used Fever Tree Mediterranean tonic. And what do you think? Do you want to have a little taste? All right, let me try it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah? Mm. How does it rate on your cocktail barometer? That's really good. I notice you've given me a little shot of the gin by itself. I'm going to try the gin by itself because I yeah I want to just see what that tastes yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. I don't think I've ever had a gin like this. That's what I thought. I've never tasted a gin like this. It's like literally like liquid lemon curd. It's really like a cross between gin and lemon cello. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's like good. a hybrid, isn't it? Yeah. But I think it's really nice just as a sipping liqueur, really. It's interesting because it is really sweet. Well, it's really sweet initially, but then it has a bit of a bitter finish, Mm. which you don't expect. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. So what do you think? What's your verdict? I think you should make more cocktails, my friend. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, listeners, you know... Uh, I always think, you know, Paul is the master of cocktails, so I was a little bit actually apprehensive, wasn't I? I was a little bit jittery as I was oh, making were, this. Yeah. And literally all I've done is just put ice, some fever tree, <laughs> and, and a shot of this in. And I was like... But you did it so well. <laughs> and then I was like, have I made the garnish too thick? Have I... What do I do? Have I put too much ice in? What do you think? Would you put the extra shot into the, into the drink, or would you prefer the extra shot just as a sipping drink? So you put one shot in the gin and tonic. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like enough. It does, doesn't it? I don't feel like it needs to be or wants to be any sweeter. Yeah. So no is the answer to that question. No. I think I think you're totally right with that. I feel like there's just enough bite from one single shot in that just to make it a nice, like, relaxing... It's not a very boozy drink, but it's just a nice, refreshing drink for the summer. Yeah, it's good. When I drink this, I imagine being sat on a little sparkly electric bus... Okay. That's very clean, going through a lovely, happy village that's all yellow. Yeah. And there's like lemons growing from trees yeah. just down the street. And everyone's wearing yellow. Everyone's selling yellow things. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking me to Yellowtown. Yellowtown, yeah. Everyone's wearing yellow and white. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like white with a yellow accent on, yeah. on stuff. Because I think if everything was yellow, because apparently they did that, didn't they, um, with mental asylums. They painted all the really? rooms yellow thinking it would make everyone happy but apparently actually yellow uh, rooms actually makes people quite mental having that mm. yellow that light frequency constantly at you actually makes people's mental illness worse it's right in certain places isn't it like i remember my nan's kitchen was a nice shade of yellow yes and that worked very well yeah but you wouldn't no i don't think you'd want a living room or bedroom it's <laughs> bright yellow constantly yellow no too much yellow too much of a good thing too much of a good thing awesome man thank you and now the moment you've been waiting for please put your hands together for princess strider queen of the sea (laughs) 
<laughs> Hello, darlings. Well, well, well. Who do we have here? A bunch of brave souls out to have a fantastic time with the sharks. Who's ready to be enchanted? Well, you are in luck. Enchantment is my middle name. Get ready to dive into the sea of fabulousness, ness, ness, ness. Ha ha! always greener in somebody else's lake you dream about going up there that's a big mistake no no just look around the world around you right here on the ocean floor such wonderful things surround you what is more what you're looking for under the sea under the sea Darling is better down here where it's wetter, believe it from me. Ho oh, ho! Up on the shore they work all day. Out in the sun they slave away. While well, it's devoting, full time afloating under the sea. Oh, come along, boys, dance with me, that's it. Come on! I never thought I'd find myself dancing with a drag queen on an ocean full of sharks. Oh, darling, life is all about embracing the unexpected. Princess, you've turned this adventure into something quite extraordinary. Oh, thank you, darling. Making the extraordinary ordinary is my speciality. <laughs> <laughs> you just flipped that on its head, Princess, didn't you? <laughs> you really are quite special. You certainly know how to put on a show, lass. You've definitely got bow-legged lady legs, leggings. Your bow-legged lady leggings. Oh, and you... Captain, you know how to ruffle my feathers and how to tame the wildest of seas. <laughs> Have a go in this. This is a fish house punch. Oh, fish house punch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Tell me what you think of fish house punch. This is a really old cocktail. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like tangy and twizzly and... Oh, yeah, it sort of twizzles all over the place, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Describe it to the listeners. So it's got a very, like, lemony, citrusy kind of, like, flow, hasn't it? Like, it's sort of like a flourish of, like, zestiness. Yeah. But it's also very clean as well. Mm. Yeah, it's quite unusual, actually, isn't it? It's quite an yeah. unusual drink. Yeah. Two spirits in it. Two spirits? Yeah. Is it uh, whiskey? No. Is it tequila? No. Is it gin? No. Is it vodka? No. <laughs> Is it? I'm just, I'm literally just like, just guessing. That's what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> but somehow managing to not get any right. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably the only two spirits you haven't mentioned. Is oh, it? is it? There's rum and brandy in it. <laughs> rum and brandy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, in Fish House as well, it's going to be rum, isn't it? There's rum, brandy. There's peach brandy in it. Mm. I know you don't like peaches. Do I, I not like peaches? I thought you've told me before you don't really like them in a cocktail. Oh, I don't like peached iced tea, yeah. And there's tea in this. Oh, it's like a boozy peach iced tea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I like it. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's like a boozy peach iced tea. <laughs> I think I've just said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a quite a weird story behind this, actually. So the Schuylkill Fishing Company of Pennsylvania, they were the first angling club in North America, and they remain the oldest continuously operating social club in the English-speaking world. And this is their signature cocktail. This can, is their club cocktail. Can you say that again? <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't listening. I don't know if I could say that again. <laughs> I'm trying to read my notes, so I'm not sure I can. It's the oldest... We're um, like three cocktails down at this point. <laughs> if we manage to do anything, it's a bit of a miracle. Would you say it's the oldest um, social club for old people? Yeah, what? sort of. So in 17... I'm going to give you a bit more of the backstory. So in 1732, there were a bunch of Quakers from Philadelphia who declared themselves an independent colony and built a clubhouse on the banks of the Schuylkill River, which they called the Fish House, their clubhouse. Right. And here they created their own punch, which they called Fish House Punch. Wow. Guys, and this is their drink? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for, for making it. Uh, and, that, oldest. Uh, and that name, Schuykel, the way it's spelled, it's spelled S-C-H-U-Y, kind of shkui, and then kill. Here's Julie Miguel telling you how to pronounce this strange word. Oh, oh, Miguel, I love him. We are looking at how to pronounce the name of this river. Running northwest to southeast in eastern Pennsylvania. How do you go about pronouncing it? Schuylkill. Schuylkill River. I love it how everything he talks like sounds like these. This is how you pronounce Schuylkill River. Isn't it? It's very like... I know, but I'm very grateful to him because I wouldn't have had a clue how to pronounce that. I wonder what a dinner date with him would be like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, would you like to order the octopus or would you like the lobster? <laughs> this lobster actually came from Google. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What, would he be the waiter? No, he's your dinner date. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but, you've got a dinner date He's been quite formal and yeah. informative about the menu. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say something wrong. It's like, no, this is how you pronounce it. <laughs> it is actually from the old English derivative of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And go into the whole history of it. Like having dinner with me. <laughs> I kind of, it's something about his voice. Is like, I find it very like meditative. Yeah. And I kind of get sucked into it. Yeah. It's kind of weird, I've isn't got, it? I've got a bit of a weird crush on him, to be honest. <laughs> do, you think, do you think, like, it's kind of like his voice is like a tranquilizer, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of like uh, taking a diazepam or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's ever narrated any books. I'd like to listen to a whole book narrated oh my God, by Julian yeah. McGill. Do you think we could get a, him to do a cameo for us? <laughs> Is I think he on he might cameo? Sue us if we found out that we've been putting his clips in our podcast. Do you think we could like get him to like? I'm an, I'd love that if he gave us a little uh, no garnish shout out, like a little like voice message for us. Oh, that would be so cool. It would be, it? wouldn't it? Or just get him to do. You are listening to No Garnish. Oh my God, that would be amazing. But then he might listen to other episodes and, and find out that we've been stealing. Well, that's all right. I think I think we, we do it in a good nature. It's not like we're like <laughs> really? taking his would content. Would you like the octopus? <laughs> yeah, he'll love that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe that might be a bit of a problem. <laughs> I have listened to your podcast. I am not happy. <laughs> oh, I, w- I want Julian Schoolcast to do a 
cameo for us. What's his name? Judas Skullcals. Mi- Mi- <laughs> Julian Miguel. Oh, Julian Miguel. Why did I think he's called Skullcals? That's the word he was just doing for us. <laughs> Man, this is the state we normally get to when we're five minutes from the end, and we've got quite a long way to go yet. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Three cocktails is what's happened. <laughs> Following on from Jaws, yeah. I watched an amazing documentary called Shark Exploitation. Ooh, came out this year. Really good documentary about sharks in movies, sharks in Hollywood, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. And so Jaws plays a big part in that because yes. it, it totally kick-started almost an entire industry of shark movies. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, I found out about so many weird shark movies that I'd never heard of. I know you didn't watch it. You, had, you haven't had time to watch it yet. No, I haven't, yeah. I was going to tell you a few of the ones that I discovered. Okay, yeah, definitely. We were talking about it earlier in terms of kind of thinking about modern shark films, say, yeah. the last 20 years. Yeah. You've got the kind of more serious ones. Yes. Like 47 Metres Down. Yeah. And what's another serious one? The Reef. The Reef. Yeah. And then at the other end of the extreme, you've got Silly. Yes. Things like Sharknado and... Santa Jaws, which I I discovered watching this documentary. Santa Jaws. The first person that the shark kills is like a guy in a Santa costume. So the shark then ends up with Santa's hat on its dorsal fin through the rest of the movie. Wow. Um, I mean, that's just bonkers. I mean, when you told me about the plot line of that, what were you saying? That there's like a candy cane that sticks out it? it. Yeah, it also ends up with a candy cane stuck on its nose like a narwhal's tusk. Wow. Well, and then it kills people with that. It kills people with the candy cane. Wow. Tusk, yeah. I love, like, I think my reaction when you said that was like, but the candy cane would dissolve in water. <laughs> you're like, absolutely. I think that's the least of their problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, you pointed out that there are two camps of people, that the, the people who like the serious movies yeah. and the ones who like the silly ones. And I, I thought I was a serious shark movie fan right. until I stumbled across Sharknado years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a worst of genius Sharknado. I've got a Sharknado um, little figure up there. That's Sharknado. That's more like the inverse of a Sharknado. That's actually a tornado coming out of a shark. What? No, that's a shark caught in a tornado. Well, that. Yeah. But there's... Well, that might... No, but... (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to argue the logic of this. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, Sharknado's bonkers, isn't it? Because isn't there a bit where the sharks are coming at a guy, but he's got, like, a chainsaw? And he's just hacking through the sharks as it, or was that Sharknado 3? To be honest, I don't even remember. I just remember loving every second. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be Sharknado 3 or Sharknado 8 or something. They've done quite a few of them, I think. People loved it. People love it, People loved they? it. There's quite a few now. Um, another one, another favourite of mine. Apparently there was a Bollywood version of Jaws. Really? Called Atank. It's pretty much a blatant rip-off of the storyline of Jaws. Right. But the best bit in it, they recreate that first scene from Jaws. But it's it's all done in Bollywood song. What? Up until the point where the shark eats her. It's coming soon. Not soon enough, but it is coming. <laughs> I know. Oh my God, it's going on forever. Get <laughs> <laughs> this has been the longest three minutes of my life. 
Wow. There you go. That's the Bollywood Jaws. Do you know what? I think my CIA torture experiment for me would be having to sit through an entire Bollywood film. Really? You don't like them? No, I hate them. I can't stand them. I just find them so... Sorry, hate's a strong word. I just just think they're really bad. Man, you still... I bet you haven't even tried to watch RRR. No, I haven't. It's stunning, man. Just give it a go. I know, like, I, I guess, like... I'm sounding very uncultured to be like I I don't I don't like them but I just don't I just I don't see the appeal I just think like why like why make Jaws into a uh, in, in, <laughs> into a musical there's no need for it but you love them I do I do like you? the campness of the old ones but um, right. RRR fucking amazing okay it, it's not like that okay. Okay. No, no, you'll be blown away, yeah. honestly, you yeah, will. Yeah. But, I mean, talking about that Jaws one, I mean, that's just amazing. It's so surreal, just the juxtaposition of her flailing around in the water for ages. But I think, actually... Well, she's got a whole song to sing. I know! <laughs> Something I find really interesting about Bollywood films, though, is that the, 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 the main lead sexy man in it is normally just like a sort of slightly pudgy, sort of sort of 45, 50-year-old, isn't it? He you certainly I mean? was back in the day. Not anymore. Is it not no, anymore? They're, they're very hunky now. Oh, are they? Yeah, and have been for a while. Oh, yeah. that's a shame because I, I think quite everything liked that. everything turned in the eighties, nineties. Did it? Yeah, because I quite like that that they were just a sort of like just an ordinary ad- average guy, but yeah. they were like the sex symbol. They did look like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They yeah. look like you're kind of like your dad. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> isn't yeah. it? Yeah, or like some sort of like car dealer, but they're like the main super stud in it. Yeah, and I would really like that juxtaposition. I mean, my favourite Bollywood. The clip, two guys in RRR are gorgeous. Oh, are they? Oh my god. Oh yeah. well, maybe I do need yeah. to watch. Yeah, you do. But yeah. my my favourite Bollywood clip is the one of Batman. Have you ever seen that? Yes. <laughs> and he does that dance. I love it. Yeah. I I watched that on. I can watch that on loop. So maybe my my criticism of Bollywood films is is maybe more to do with the naivety of it. Maybe I need to immerse myself okay. more into it. Yeah. To get into the headspace of what it is. Maybe yeah. I don't understand what it is yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Bollywood Jaws, I love it. And my last little thing about Jaws cash-ins. It's not a cash-in at all. Well, it's a reference to Jaws. The Happy Days episode where Fonzie jumps the shark. Wow. Do you know about this? Which is where the phrase jumping the shark comes from. No way. You know that phrase? Yeah. Yeah. So there was an episode of Happy Days in 1977. So it was only a couple of years after Jaws. Basically, I I can't remember the plot of it, but somehow there's a penned-in shark in the water. Yeah. And Fonzie is going to jump over it on water skis. So, so what? So Fonzie's water skiing, and then he has to do a jump, but it's over a shark. Yeah, do you remember? Like around that time, you had things like Evil Knievel jumping buses. Yeah, and I think there was an episode earlier where Fonzie jumps on his motorbike. Right, but it's like, oh shit, we've done that. We're in season five now. You know, right. we've, we've done the motorbike. And, yeah. Okay. Well, what can we, oh, we'll have him jump a shark. What? So because he's a good water skier. What? What? When did he learn to water ski? Like what? I don't get it. Well, yeah, it doesn't make no. When did Fonzie learn to water ski? Yeah, no, no, it doesn't make any sense. But at also, all. like, is the shark like in a tank? This doesn't make any sense either. It's in like a a pen in the water. Oh right, they made a pen for it. To... Yeah, right. Yeah, Fonzie jumps the shark. Why does he jump? The shark? <laughs> 
Why would he put himself at such risk? Just, just why? Yeah. Oh, Henry Winkler, he's such like a legend. He's lovely, isn't he? Like, he's a lovely man. And he just sort of lived in their annex, didn't he, for for years? Yeah. Just lived in their attic, didn't yeah. he? Just like, with his, with his motorbike. Yeah. 1950s tough, he just happens to live in the attic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he, was he a mechanic or something? I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I always thought there yeah. was a thing between him and Mrs. C. Mrs. Oh, Cameron. yeah, there was always. Yeah. He was always winking at her, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, come on, you, you're married to Howard. Yeah. But you got Fonzie living upstairs. Well, I know, you I know. know. Come yeah. on. Come on, yeah. Hey, you know, since we're just uh, standing here, you want to uh, do something? What did you have in mind? Do you want to throw in some more scary shark facts? Well, I think one of the scariest shark facts um, that I've uncovered recently... Um, We've talked about this before, about great white sharks getting closer to the UK. Yeah. And I think when I mentioned it last, it's like, yeah, they're really close. They're like, you know, 200 miles off the coast of Cornwall. And like, oh, well, that's quite far away. Yeah. But um, great white sharks have actually been getting closer and closer. And uh, families have been warned to avoid paddling in the Suffolk River after a man-eating shark was spotted hunting for seals near Wadringfield. Isn't that crazy? So, um, basically... <laughs> just, hang on. Just say that last sentence again. The name of the place, a man-eating shark, was found hunting for seals by Waddling Field. <laughs> by Waddling Field, yeah. What? So, open water swimmers and boat owners have basically been, been told that there's a six-foot great white shark that has appeared twice in recent days. And um, the shark has taken advantage of, of the warm waters, basically, because of global warming. So this is the Suffolk Gazette, basically. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? That crazy. Is yeah. And uh, a windsurfer had an amazing escape when um, actually the, the shark took a huge chunk out of his board. Bloody hell. Um, and they've looked at the bite mark of the windsurf board that he was on yeah and the, the radial mark of it and everything and they do think it's the same shark it looks like it's a great white shark bite so that is absolutely crazy it's like, literally like jaws in suffolk yeah and of course and that's um you know the story of jaws was uh, based on the account in america wasn't it but yeah um i think i'm not sure it was a great white i think it was a bull shark had swum up uh, a river in america and um ate six people um, and I think two of them were quite young teenage boys. Sorry, do you know how many people sharks on average kill a year? I think it's like five. Well, that's the ones that we know about. Okay. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Are there shark conspiracies? No, I just mean like, like how, like, <laughs> there's so many people get lost at sea, how do you know that they, they don't succumb to shark attacks? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, surely, yeah. But yeah. I, I was really, I was really amazed by this story because I, I honestly didn't think that we would have a great white shark, a six foot great white shark, like swimming up a river in Suffolk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucking bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, some more reasons why I don't go in the sea in Brighton. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> even though it's like still a few hundred miles away, I think I'm still not going anywhere near. It just pings your childhood trauma. But as I understand it, most of the time when sharks attack humans. It's because they've mistaken them for seals or something. Or, or they're having a nibble to see if it's something that they want to eat. But generally humans aren't what sharks want to eat. There's not enough meat on the human. 
Yeah, generally, I think the 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 information that they they have now because they've studied sharks so well is that sharks very rarely actually attack humans. They're, often, it's mistaken identity, isn't it? Yeah. Or when sharks have been provoked, mm. or we haven't been reading their warning signs. Yeah. But I think there's a really interesting video, actually, of someone who um, swims with sharks, and she's got a tiger shark that's kind of following her, mm. and then she starts splashing the water with her fins. And as soon as she starts doing that, the shark goes for her, and then she just turns around, uh, looks at the shark, and the shark backs off. Because it's the splashing often is, yeah. is the distress signal, and sharks are opportunists. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. You know, and apparently if you if you stare at like a great white or something <laughs> and keep its gaze, it will won't attack you as much. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck. That's like that thing about oh the way to, you know, punch a bear in its nose. Yeah. It's like I'm not going to be standing there pu- trying to punch a bear in its nose if a bear is coming for me. I'm fucking running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is definitely. probably the worst thing to do, but I'm not sure it's that much worse than trying to punch it in the nose. Well, running is the worst thing, because I think bears can run at 30 miles an hour, can't they? But what my mom always told me about bears is that, oh, if a bear's chasing you, run downhill. Run downhill. Yeah, because their legs are, like, shorter at the front, so they can't run after you It's all right if you can find a hill. (laughs) I know. There aren't any hills. But I've seen bears run downhill pretty damn fast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that stands up. go up trees. I think if a bear's coming for you, odds are... You're pretty fucked, aren't you? Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to punch a shark in the nose, aren't you? Because that's where all its senses are. But if it's a fucking great white shark that, you know, is the size of a bus and its jaw is like, will envelop all of you. How the hell do you touch its nose and it's swimming at you at 30 miles an hour? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when we think about the most dangerous sharks, the man eaters, we always think of the, the great white as the first. Probably the tiger shark. And then maybe third is the bull shark. But the oceanic white tip is um, thought to be one of the one of the more dangerous ones because it's an open water scavenger, and they think that's probably one that's eaten the most people uh, in history. Right. Um, you know who have been shipwrecked. So they're they're not necessarily like man eaters, but they're 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 scavenger sharks. An opportunist. Opportunist, yeah. and they will they're quite aggressive, but because they don't look scary they never appear in films because they've got these very, very big fins mm. and they've also got quite placid-looking faces. They're actually quite um, right. caricatured. Mm. So we never see them in films, but they're very dangerous. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the, ba- the, 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 demoni- the demonizing of sharks, isn't it? Which, which are what you're wanting to get away from. Well, just to balance that out, because I think it is really interesting how Jaws contributed to the death of a lot of sharks. Oh, God, yeah. And a general fear of sharks. Yeah, massively. But also the flip side of that, that over time led to a greater awareness of the need to conserve sharks and yeah. to look after sharks. Yeah, definitely. And the value of sharks and how important they are to the ocean. Yeah. I mean, apparently, like, you're a hundred times more likely to be killed by a jellyfish than a shark. Right. Yeah, like way more people are killed by jellyfish every year. It just doesn't make for an exciting movie, does no, it? No, it doesn't. There's I think no they, blood, really, is there? They, they, they're just stinging you. And with, I think jellyfish are scary. I think yeah. they're like, they're kind of weird. They're kind of alien-like. Yeah. But they don't have any, um, they're not predatory, are they, like a shark? Also, I think like, you know, like a great white looks pretty terrifying. It does, yeah. Like it has a sort of, you know, meanness about it, yeah. doesn't it? It's quite demonic. Do you know how old sharks are? Millions of years. Yeah. Billions? No. Okay. But take a guess. 
They're around at the time of the dinosaurs, weren't they? Uh, they're before dinosaurs. Before dinosaurs? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. They're, right? actually, they're actually older than trees. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So sharks are one of the first early vertebrates to right. evolve. Basically, like, a jaw was evolved from cells that eat other cells. Right. And yep. a jaw is just another way of eating another cell. Yeah. Okay. Do you see do you see yeah. the evolutionary process yeah, of it? I do. And it's quite fascinating with shark skin how when you look at a shark skin under a microscope it's just lots of little teeth. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. It's like sharks are fractals. Yeah, like everything about them is teeth. What was what were your so what were your facts that you wanted to bring up about shark shark conservation and stuff? I mean, I was staggered to find out how many sharks are killed each year. Oh my god, yeah. What was it? I was looking at the Humane Society, their website, and 60% of sharks are threatened by overexploitation because humans kill 100 million sharks annually. That doesn't even sound possible. On on the podcast I listened to today, they actually said 250 million a year. Really? Right. They said right. 70 million a year are, are killed purely just for their fins. Yeah, the fins using shark's fin soup, aren't they? A delicacy in China, Taiwan, and in Southeast Asia. And oh, it's just totally barbaric, really. And the fact that the fins aren't there for even taste. No. It's just texture of the soup. Yeah, well, it's uh, seen also as an aphrodisiac, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say about that in Chinese medicine, where because they're thought to promote sexual potency. Yeah. Yeah, the fact is that actually consuming too much shark swim causes impotency. No way, seriously. Because of the mercury in the fish. Is it? Yeah. Wow. So it's actually the opposite of what people believe. Oh my God, that's crazy, isn't it? That's absolutely crazy. Humans are stupid. Humans are really stupid. Yeah, I'm sure you you know this, about how they maintain the balance of the ocean. Oh, how is that then? They scare away sea turtles. Right. <laughs> it's just like, what? Without sharks to scare them away, sea turtles will tend to overgraze on seagrass. Right. And seagrass meadows are a crucial habitat for lots of fish and shellfish and birds as well. Oh, interesting. So without sharks to scare them away, they would just overeat that stuff. And then all the other little creatures who live in the grass, they'd have nowhere to live. Right. I like that fact. So that's the main reason why they're important for the ocean. That's really interesting what you're saying about the seagrass, because that's the same thing about uh, when they reintroduce wolves into the Yellowstone Park. And we talked yeah, about yeah. that in a previous episode. Yeah. So it's really important. Yeah, the, the whole ecosystem is so finely balanced by these apex predators. And it's really worrying that we're losing them so, so quickly. Without humans, everything just does find its own balance. It really is humans that fuck everything up. Oh, it is. It? We, we, yeah, we really do. I found out about the um, the extra sense that sharks have, which is very cool as oh, well. Oh, yeah. You know about that? What's that? The ampullae of Lorenzini. Oh, wow. So the ampullae of Lorenzini is an extra sense, an, an electromagnetic sense that sharks have. Yeah. So it allows them to detect... The electromagnetic field emitted by the movement of living animals. Wow. Great whites are so sensitive that they can detect variations of half a billionth of a volt. Wow. At close range, this allows the shark to locate even immobile animals by detecting their heartbeat. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? 
That's amazing. I mean, that's an evolutionary kind of predatory kind of tactic. That's just like on another you level. You can sense the heartbeat of a of another a, living creature. Yeah, and and for probably for miles as well, right? Or yeah. for quite a long way. When that, yeah, makes me really terrified that if I ever get stranded in the ocean, because <laughs> it's like how You're do you fucked, how do friend. you hide? Yeah. <laughs> Your heartbeat's like going like no. fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Ah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop my heartbeat, shit. Here's my final question to you about sharks. Where do sharks go on holiday? Um, I want to have say something really funny, but I can't think of anything. It does. It sounds like a joke, and I've set it yeah. up as a joke. Yeah. But the White Shark Cafe, right? That's the name of a remote mid-Pacific Ocean area, halfway between California and Hawaii. Yeah. And that's where sharks, great white sharks, go in the winter and spring. Yeah. I don't think anyone really knows why they go there. Yeah. They've just observed that they do. There's really? this area called the White Shark Cafe, and that's where sharks hang out in <laughs> yeah, in spring and winter. Oh, wow. How old do you think the oldest shark is? How long do you think a, a, one of the oldest sharks lives for? 100 years? No. No. By 100 years, is not even reached its sexual maturity. Really? Yeah. 500 years. Roughly. 500-year-old sharks? Yeah, the Greenland sharks uh, live for about 500 years. I was thinking, actually, about... And I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you know the answer to this. About sleep. Do fish ever sleep? Or just a, a fish constantly conscious? Do you know? Oh, no, they sleep. They do? Yeah. Sharks sleep as well. Yeah. And have you seen whales sleeping? That's fascinating. No. Yeah, when whales sleep, they sleep vertical. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, and they're like pillars. I don't think they sleep for very long. I think it's like 15 minutes or something. But they're literally these massive, like, vertical pillars in the in the ocean. It's really surreal. I mean, that's fine if you're a whale. No one's going to fuck with you, are they? Well, I guess not, yeah. But if you're some little fish, you just want to nap. That's it. You're shark food. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's actually, like, uh, sharks... Um, there's a barnacle that actually eats sharks. And, it, and it's a particular type of barnacle that's evolved to have little teeth that attaches onto the shark. And it will just latch on and it will just be there forever and it basically sucks all the nutrients out of the sharks over time i thought you were going to go another way because yeah and these barnacles they're 400 million years old and they're the size of norwich <laughs> they just open their mouth and the sharks swim into it <laughs> yeah what do you think the collective uh noun for a shark is oh i love these i have no idea go on take a guess a blank of sharks a blank of sharks a blanket of no sharks. no no i'm just i'm, I'm <laughs> oh i thought that was your answer <laughs> no. i was like a blanket of sharks. you really no, do want to like make that, them actually. a blanket of sharks is quite good you you, you really want to make them friendly don't you like oh <laughs> oh can you get a shark blankie out <laughs> what is it i don't know i don't know I, I love these though well it's very close to what a pirate would say it's a shiver a shiver of sharks <laughs> shiver of sharks yeah, I thought that was great. A shiver of sharks. Yeah, that is good. That's really cool, isn't that's it? That's perfect, isn't it's it? It's perfect, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's all my shark facts, so, yeah. Princess, thank you for bringing that extra je ne sais quoi to our adventure. <laughs> the pleasure was all mine, darling. Just remember, life is meant to be celebrated, no matter how deep the waters or how high the hills. Now... If you wouldn't mind dropping me off at this island, there's a young artilleryman who's been waiting an age for me to make him another pain stripper. <laughs> Hello, sailor! Ahoy there! Oh, darling, your voice! I've been longing to hear that. Wait, look! There's something in the water! It's a shark! 
Ladies and gentlemen and fabulous sea creatures of all kinds, I couldn't help but overhear your celebration. My name is King Kalahumiai, Titan of the Tides, the luminous Leviathan, enigmatic ruler of the deep, the sovereign of the abyss, the real Swim Shady. A talking shark? <laughs> My dear marine enthusiast, you have impressed me greatly with your love of the ocean and its inhabitants. Arr, are you talking to us, fish? Indeed I am. Your shark tail cruise has brought joy and understanding to both humans and shark alike. Your determination to learn about our world and to treat it with respect has not gone unnoticed. But how is this possible? Let's just say that in the vastness of the ocean, wonders beyond your imagination await. This is incredible. I never thought I'd have the chance to speak with a great white shark. And I never thought I'd encounter humans who would extend a fin of friendship instead of fear. Your kindness and respect to the ocean has earned you the blessing of the deep. Now, I must return to my kingdom, but you know that you have a friend in me. Did that really just happen? The ocean is full of mysteries, Chief, and tonight I think we experience not one, but two of its greatest wonders. Ah, here, here. And here's to the bow-legged wonders of the sea. To, to the, the wonders, wonders of, of the, the sea. sea. Full steam ahead, Mr. Quint. Is this our third and final... No, it's not our third. It's our fourth and final wow. cocktail of the evening. God, we've really gone for it. We always go for it on the anniversary episodes, though. We do. And unlike last time, where I thought I was saving the best till last, last anniversary, and you hated the last one. Oh, yeah. I really have saved the best till last. Ah, oh, brilliant. This is a tiki cocktail. It's another Don Beach cocktail called the Shark's Tooth. Ooh, I like the name. From the 60s, 1960s. Wow. It's got Barbados rum. It's got Jamaican rum, some pineapple juice, some lime. It's quite simple. Okay. Very rum forward. Ooh. This is one of my all-time favourite tiki cocktails. Wow. I love the sharks too. Do you? Oh, wow. I can't wait. Okay. I've looks... built, built it up, so I hope you like it. It looks delicious. Oh, wow. Mmm. God, that's got a bite to it, hasn't it? It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, punchy, tenacious tiki cocktail, that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite creamy as well. The pineapple juice nicely throffed up. It's not a lot of pineapple juice in it, only half an ounce. It's got quite a woody feel to it. I'm kind of imagining, like, yeah, being yeah, being in the trees, walking through a forest. And as I'm walking, I'm hearing, like, vroom, 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 vroom. Like, what is that sound? And as I get closer, I'm sort of smelling sawdust in the air, like fresh pine sawdust. And then I go, vroom, vroom, vroom. And there's two, like, hunky men with their shirts off, sawing a tree, and there's like a sort of a wood mill nearby them. Right. Like an old, you know, like you know, like in, in the oldie times. And as they're sawing it, they're getting sweatier and sweatier. And, and but they, you get that lovely sort of zestiness from it. Yeah, that's my metaphor. It's a zesty, soary, fruity, mmm. Maybe not my best metaphor. I don't know. No, you look perplexed. Fun- no, well, it's funny because as you said, I was like soaring, but there is definitely a woodiness to it. And mm. I, I've never really thought of that. There is. 
I think it's. I like, think it's got two aged rums in it. Yeah, you're definitely picking up some woody notes in this. Mm, I could definitely feel taste that in the barrel, like in the yeah. that the rum's been stored yeah. in. Yeah, because I think with this tiki cocktail, it's much more like you said, uh, much more rum forward. Mm. And there's something quite sort of sort of like a frontier flavor, but obviously with the pineapple and stuff, it makes it feel more piratey as well. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely, so there's kind yeah. of like yeah, like sort of sawing the wood to build a lovely sort of like shack because you're shipwrecked but you don't mind being shipwrecked because you've got all of this abundance around you and actually like maybe your shipwrecked was planned maybe you would actually like sabotage the boat because actually you wanted to be shipwrecked and now you're on the island and you're just going to build your own little like paradise away from everyone and drink lovely delicious because the thing is on the boat you know you've you've managed to get all the rum off the boat yeah 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 yeah. yeah. you're just gonna spend your days getting really drunk on a lovely like tiki island the drink and your description I'm there. I only discovered it fairly recently, this one. I think it's straight in in my top three Tiki favourites. This and the Pearl Diver, and I'm still umming and ahhing about what the third one would be. Oh, is it, really? Still leaning towards the Akaraki zombie. Oh, really? Of all the zombies. I mean, one of my favourite Tikis was from the very early one with the Kingston sound system. I really enjoyed that. Mm, modern Tiki. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. You know, I, I do remember that one still. Yeah, I do. Yeah, is, yeah, it's not in my top three, though. I think it's great, but it's not my top three. This, because I like aged spirits, mm. and this really brings them to the fore and doesn't bury them under too much juice and sugar. Yeah. It's got a lovely layering of tones in it. Like, every time you take a sip, you actually, like, uncover a few of those layers. I think one of the secrets with this, it, it does use expensive rums. Oh, really? It's not cheap rum. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's like, yeah, the, t- the two bottles that I used in this, one was 50 quid. Really? So it's wow. Pricier rum, it's but, but worth it. it. Yeah, that's why. That's why I splashed out because it's it's a good cocktail. It's worth putting good rum in it. Right. It makes the difference. I can really taste that. The richness of the rum, I think, is the thing that makes me want to take another sip. What I'm experiencing, like what I'm starting to sort of be able to taste now in the different types of alcohol and i can definitely taste that the more cultivated more cultured sort of rums and and alcohols that you put in they do have that fullness of flavor that kind of just tantalizes your tongue in a different way good end to the last year good beginning to the next year yeah definitely so before we wrap things up well we need to find out what last week's mystery cocktail and clue was yeah so uh, princess stride is taking a bit of a holiday this year isn't she for our anniversary so we're not doing a who wants to be a cocktail no this this time um but i think you know we've had a full fact show anyway haven't yeah. we fact or fat uh i think i said both definitely full feel fat, like we've had both uh, yeah a full fat fact okay it's been a full fact factory or fat <laughs> A full fat fact factory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um so she's taking a well earned break, you yeah. know. She she works tirelessly. But um for last time's uh Who Wants to be a cocktail? Yeah. The cocktail was the perfect ten. Do you remember what was in it? Remind me what was in it. Yeah, tankery ten gin, dry vermouth, and a zest of pink grapefruit. Oh yeah, because I was saying it's like a martini with a grapefruit twist. Yeah. So right. perfect ten. And if you got the cryptic clues right. You were thinking of the band Pearl Jam. Okay. <laughs> okay. And their first album was called Ten. Right. And many, like me, consider it to be a perfect album. So the perfect ten. Can you now explain all of the clues 
but sing it like Eddie Vedder. Ah, well, that's very interesting that you said that. <laughs> also, uh, just before I do that, one of <laughs> one of the cocktails before... I'm just sitting back and going to enjoy this. Go on. One of the cocktails before yeah. was, if you remember, red wine and a shoe. Uh, but that wasn't really the cocktail, but that was one of the cocktails uh, before. I, and in 2014, I... <laughs> Eddie Vedder, it was, it was uh, on a lot of the media... Uh, had drunk, um, wanted a drink, but didn't have anything to drink his wine out of on stage. So a fan, I think this was in Sweden, uh, said, you can have my shoe, and he poured his wine into the shoe and drank it on stage. Well, that's just showing off, isn't it? What's wrong? <laughs> you could have just drunk out the bottle. I know, I know, but it's rock, rock and roll, stars, man. man. It's rock and roll, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, originally I wrote the first cryptic clue as a homage to uh, their song, <laughs> Alive. Okay. Uh, and um, I was imagining it as freezing, writing a message on the back of the surfboard, waiting for the new even flow of concrete to hear it again. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh, hang tight. As I set sail from the Green River, snapping my mother's love bone in the whole ball, lever, better bound. Nothing came from another man again. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, praying! Well, I pump gas listening to the bad radio. Never once could I ever felt so light. Hearing the footsteps in the mammoth sound here again. Oh, 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 and uh, but like there was a great video I saw of like what sound got, uh, what pole jam sounds to people who don't listen to pole jam. So uh, I'll I'll go through it. Um, so <laughs> please do in a little bit more of an easy way to listen to. But yeah, so the first one: freezing, writing message on the back of my surfboard, waiting for the even flow of concrete. I just to hit can't again. stop hearing him singing this now. <laughs> okay, All right, explain that. Go on. Yeah. So writing messages on the back of his surfboard. Well, famously, he got the lyrics for "Alive" whilst on his surfboard waiting for the waves to come. Oh, right. Uh, the lyrics are... Uh, I didn't even know he was a surfer. Oh, yeah. Eddie Vedder's a massive surfer. Is he, right? Yeah. Right. He was listening to the tape shortly before going surfing when lyrics came to him. Mm. He then recorded the vocals of three songs, Alive, Once, and Footsteps, in which he later describes as a mini opera. Wow. And also the name Pole Jam. So the reason why I chose Pole Jam is because we did the Pole Diver. That bit makes sense. And uh, the name Pole Jam... There's lots of reasons to why people think that they named this, but this was the best one that I came, I could find. All right. Paul Jam was a reference to his great-grandmother, Pearl, who was married to a Native American and had a special recipe for peyote-laced jam. Do you know, I th- thought, is this where that's going? And that's exactly where it's going. Uh, yeah. His Nan's Jam. His Nan's Jam. Right. Yeah. And then the second uh, clue, hang tight. Well, that's another surfing reference. Yeah. As I set sail from the Green Rivers. So Green Rivers was the band that uh, some of the members were in previously. Right. Snapping My Mother's Love Bone. That's another band that they were in previously. Mother's Love Bone. Mother Love Bone, yeah. Mother Love Bone. Right. Yeah. Okay. In Hope, I'll Become a Better Man. So that's another Pearl Jam song. Not as good as Brody's Cat. Brody's cat. No, that's, that's a better name. That's a great name, isn't it? Anyway, sorry. In Hope, I'll Become a Better Man. So that's a Pearl Jam song. Mm. From a Nothing Man, that's another Pearl Jam song. Uh, Who Came from a Leather Man, and that's another Pearl Jam song. So, so Better Man, Nothing Man, and Leather Man are three songs that kind of interlink. So if you knew Pearl Jam, yeah. you would have got this. 
I hope so. Yeah. There's a lot of their song titles in there. Yeah. 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 And then the third one, Oh Praying, While I Pump Gas. So uh, Eddie Vedder previously worked in a gas station pumping gas. Right. Listening to Bad Radio, and that was the band that he was in previously before Pearl Jam. You Never Once Felt So Alive, their most famous song. Hearing Footsteps of the Mamasan. And as I said, Alive Once and Footsteps is what he later described as his mini opera titled Mamasan. Right. Yeah. Man, I'm yeah. learning a lot about Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> and his Nan's Jam. <laughs> and his Nan's Jam. Well, Pearl Jam are one of my favourite uh, grunge bands. Yeah, you know? yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. massive fan of them. But I got into them years after, like, a long time after they, you know, because they got so big. And actually, like, you know, I was reading up about them. They're one of the. They're described as one of the few bands that have actually tried to destroy their fame. Mm. They actually got really annoyed to how famous they got. They mm. never really wanted to be that famous because yeah, I think yeah. they they did become massive and they were like the poster boys for grunge, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's why I chose them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love learning stuff from your clues. Do you, do the clues make sense now? They do. <laughs> <laughs> he we says, hope. looking away into the middle distance, <laughs> not making eye contact. And of course, no, they do. They do. I love your clues. And remember, you know, if you if you win, if you guess the clues right, you can win a no garnish piece of art. And yeah, I will while, post that out to you. While stocks last. While stocks last. Yeah. Although you don't have anything to guess this week. Listeners, guess what I have for breakfast now every day. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Guess that. It's the most thing I love in the world. Talking about things that we love, what have been your favourite cocktails from the last year? Ah, so my ultimate favourite from last year, from this this year that we've had, was Pies the Limit. Oh, was it? That was your number one. God, that cocktail that you made. I just couldn't believe it. I think that's the closest I've gotten to heaven. I think like (laughs) when I drank that, I think a little bit of me died wow. and went up there and then came back i think i still dream i think i actually have little occasional dreams about it Do you know what i mean <laughs> just every now and again i think i have a dream about i i wonder if that's a drink i'll ever drink again in my life i wonder yeah. if it, i'll just it will just be that one experience do you know what i mean this is the joy of cocktails of making something for someone and it transporting them in some way yeah you know i love that and also the kind of thing to think that like i'm the only one in the world that's tasted that you are actually do you know what i mean yeah there's something quite Mm. amazing about that remember a few episodes ago you set me the challenge of making the american breakfast cocktail yeah i did i've done that oh really i've made it no it's not on the level of the pie's the limit wow but you've done it but i have done it but it made me think of a few years ago i made a three course cocktail but the, the 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 theme was William Burroughs Naked Lunch. Oh, yeah. I remember you told... I, I, this was before I started going to your cocktail parties, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I, did, I did a whole literary-themed one wow. one year. So anyway, so I thought, this breakfast in America, Yeah. what about lunch and dinner? Oh, where right. in the world would you like to have lunch Wow. as a cocktail? Yeah. And where in the world would you want to have dinner as a cocktail? And I'll create oh. all three. I mean, so you've done the American breakfast, then? Yeah, so you're starting off having breakfast in America. Um, where do you want to go for lunch? I always think Italians do really good lunches. So that I, so that's the first thing that kind of popped into my head. Okay, Italy for lunch. Yeah. Okay, that's lunch in Italy. Breakfast in America, lunch in Italy. Italy. Where would you oh. like to go for dinner? For dinner? Where do I want to go Where in the dinner? world? I really like Korean food at the moment. I think I'd like to go to Korea for, for dinner. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah. this. This is exactly what I wanted. Is it? 
yeah, yeah. Good, a good challenge so breakfast in america lunch in italy dinner in korea yeah that's another podcast isn't it dinner in korea <laughs> or an indie band cool okay and i'm kind of thinking south korea not north korea no now you've said that <laughs> i think i think we should have dinner in north korea <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have occurred to me, but now it has. That's all I can think of. Like, like the cocktail comes in like a little military jacket. <laughs> Do you know what it'd be? It'd be like I'm just going to bring in a little wall and put it around you, and you can just peek over it and watch me in South Korea drinking a really nice cocktail. Oh my god! <laughs> that's that's the North Korean cocktail experience. I'm going to see if I can buy a, a Kim Jong Un mug. <laughs> Like I, I like I've got like broth in a Kim Jong Un mug and a row of nuclear missiles behind you. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Or just like a little nuclear missile like headdress. <laughs> um, did you have any other favourites? Oh god, yeah. Did you have a runner-up? So the pearl dive was the runner-up. Yeah. And I love that one. And it was a toss-up between the Stay Puft Marsh Mo- the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Okay, right. Stay, that surprises me. Right. Was it the Stay Puft Mar- Mar- Manhattan? I can never. You Mar- did say happen. it, Mr. Stay Puft Manhattan. Mr. Stay Puft Manhattan. What was it, Mr. Stay Puft Marshmallow? I, I shouldn't laugh at the afflicted, should I? <laughs> <laughs> so mean of me. <laughs> what did I say? Is Mr. Staypuff Mr. Staypuff Manhattan? That's it, Mr. Staypuff Manhattan. Um, so yeah, the Staypuff yeah, one. Cool. Okay. I really love that one. You know, I still think about going through the the doors of a New York building, Deco building, with the right. gold lions, and there's something really like I really love the Manhattan. It's one of my favourite cocktails in general now, yeah. and I've had a few since then but that's one i think i think it's because it's like toasted marshmallow goes so well with it's the it. garnish again isn't it the garnish is is the thing it's so funny because it's like <laughs> no, no garnish. garnish yeah but like strangely enough i'm finding that like i think the way that you do a garnish is so complimentary to the drink they are they're lovely to look at and they do decorate the cocktail but they always add another element of flavor that is com- is is right. is a component to it, and that's another one that you cr- you created, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Puff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because I'm actually not very good at doing the decorative garnishes. Do you think? So when I do them, it's like, well, it, it better mean something. It better mean something. Because I, I think I that- wish I was. It was one thing that I really wish I was much better at is making really pretty decorative garnishes. I know what I'm you not mean. Very good at it. I know what you mean, but I, like I I feel like that as well. Like you know, I'm an artist, and I'm really cack handed with doing craft. I, like. I remember, like, trying to paint the little miniature, like, uh, figures and stuff. And I was yeah. just crap at it, you know. And, and that surprises and, me. Yeah, you think, you think mm. I'd be good at it, but I think it's a different type of... It's like a different skill. And it's actually a skill that you have yeah. to acquire over a, over a period of time yeah. doing miniature stuff. I don't think it's something that's innate. You you do actually have to learn how to do it. Well, which were your favourite? Pearl Diver, man. I love the Pearl Diver. That was that was your favourite? Yeah, but a nod to the slow gin switch. Quite pleased with that. And Paper Plane and Jungle bird are like all-time favorite cocktails but pearl diver is one that i've discovered this year while being doing the show so that's going to be my number one. Oh, okay yeah that's yeah. good right let's spin the wheel of mixed fortune Ooh. and find out what we're going to drink next episode and it's landed on the pim's cup Ooh, the pim's cup yeah that's interesting because i love pim's uh and i think it's a real kind of like british thing isn't it pim's and wimbledon and the last thing to do is... It's all the usual M-bollocks. Hey! Like, subscribe, 
share put us on facey face uh come to instagram into, oh let me thank lord herc oh, for yes. his illustrations from which we have made some little animated tunes that you can find on youtube oh my god so we have branched over into the youtube <laughs> yeah uh we are <laughs> yeah. in you youtube <laughs> we are in you firmly yes yeah, amazing and thank you so much lord herc I love your uh, caricature of me as well. That's just so cool. He was worried that he, he was going to offend you with that. Well, I know I love it. I mean, anything to um, tickle my vanity is great. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I told him. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Luminous Lafayette. <laughs>